How many of you have read through the book of Jonah before? Let me ask you this question. Uh, How many of you grew up hearing about Jonah and the whale? Anybody? Sunday school? Does it it remind you of the felt boards? All right, boys and girls, here's the felt board, and here's a big, great big fish, and here's here's this guy named Jonah. We're going to talk, you know what I'm talking about. It reminds me of this, uh, this story, and maybe some of you have heard this story, but I'll share it. It's a story about a little girl. And uh, this little girl went to Sunday school class, and she learned about Jonah and the whale. That's how they taught it in Sunday school, right? Jonah and the great big fish. And she was so amazed about the story of Jonah that she had to tell everybody she knew, right? I got to tell everybody. I got to go home. I got to tell mom and dad. I've got to tell them. So she goes home, she tells her parents, mom, dad, I learned about a man named Jonah and about a great big fish. And what, and they were like, well, what happened? Well, he was thrown off the boat for disobedience and this great big fish swallowed Jonah. And, and her parents are like, I know that's an incredible story. And she's all pumped about it. She goes to school the next day. She tells all her little friends, guys, guys, have you heard about Jonah and the whale? I mean, this little girl is like, she's witnessing for Jesus, right? She's sharing the gospel, foreshadowing the coming of Jesus through the story of Jonah. She's like on fire about it. And her friends are just like, wow, that's crazy. She goes up to her teacher and she says, teacher, 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 I have to tell you what I learned in Sunday school class. Teacher's like, what did you learn? Tell me. She looks up at her teacher. She goes, I learned about Jonah and the whale. She goes, tell me what what happened. Well, Jonah, he was thrown off the boat for disobedience and this this big whale came up or this big fish came up and swallowed Jonah. And the teacher looks at the little girl and she goes, now, honey, hold on a second. You know that's impossible, right? A whale can't swallow a person. It's physically impossible. A human being can't live inside a fish. I'm sorry, but it's just, it's impossible. The little girl kind of looks up at her, a little perplexed at her teacher, and she's like, huh, okay. The little girl goes on to say, well, I guess one day when I go to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. The teacher goes, but honey, what if Jonah's in hell? She goes, well, then you can ask him. (laughs) All right, that one's free. You've heard that one before, haven't you? Oh, man, you're awake this morning, aren't you? Jonah, turn to Jonah chapter 1. Oh man, that one's great. Jonah chapter 1. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, you can check it up on the screen. It's going to be up there as well. And just to give you a little bit of, uh, just an overview, big picture overview context of the book of Jonah. Uh, Jonah's a prophet in 8th century Israel. So when this is all happening, it's around 760 B.C., Roughly about 250 years after King David. And so that's kind of where we're at. Um, Jonah's going to be told, and we're going to read here today, to go to a place called Nineveh. How many of you heard of Nineveh? Uh, Nineveh would be what's known as today, present day Iraq. Uh, But here's the big idea of the book of Jonah is this. And this is what I want you to grab a hold of today. As As we go through this study series over the next four weeks and we're digging into this book, I want you to be looking for glimpses of Jesus. Because we, if you read the scripture and you read the word of God, you're going to see glimpses, foreshadowings of Jesus. Why? Because at the center of this book, church, it's all about Jesus. And we see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, we, we see foreshadowings and comings of Jesus. We're going to see that here today as we read. The other big idea in, in the book of Jonah, the main theme is this, is that no matter how far we try to run from God, we can't outrun his presence. We can't outrun his presence. 
And that's good news for some people in here today. You're like, I've been running from God. Or I've, that, that's kind of what my life has looked like. My life has looked like just a constant up and down a roller coaster of I'm living for, I'm living for God and then I, I go back to doing other things and I turn and I run down the wrong road or I take the wrong path. And you'll be able to relate here today. We'll be able to relate uh, as a church, I think, to Jonah. No matter how far we try to run from God, you cannot run his presence. And, and if you're here today and you're like, I've been running, I've been running, I've been running, I've been running, I would just say, look behind you. <laughs> because he's still there. He hasn't left you. God hasn't abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. And so uh, Jonah, we're going to dig into chapter one. I want to first read through the first three verses, and then we're going to cover quite a bit of scripture. We're going to read all the way through, through the chapter uh, to verse 17. So this is what it says. Jonah chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, but Jonah, right? <clears throat> he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. This is what he does. He paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, one of the first things that we see when we read chapter 1, verse 1, is what does God do? He speaks to Jonah. He tells Jonah what? Go to Nineveh. He gives him a command. How many of you know that God doesn't make suggestions? He gives commands. <laughs> His word isn't written in pencil, right? He tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, but Jonah. I don't want to move past the fact, though, that God speaks to Jonah and Jonah hears from God. Because here's what I think happens a lot of times when we read about Jonah is we criticize Jonah and we'll see why as we move on. We'll see the things that he does. He is disobedient to God. He does flee. He runs away from God. But let's not move past the fact that he hears from God. God speaks to Jonah and he hears from God. And this is, this is the very first thing I want to talk about today is that God speaks to Jonah. Jonah hears from God. God is still speaking, church. God is still speaking. Here's the question. Are you and I listening? Are we listening for his voice? He's still speaking. He hasn't stopped speaking. God is still speaking. The question is, are we listening? Are we living a life led and guided by the Spirit? And what we often talk about here at church is, you know, communication is two ways. It's two ways. It's speaking and then it's also listening. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with this. In my prayer life, I'll throw a lot of shotgun prayers to God, like, help me, be with me, uh, Lord, Lord, as, I, as we do this, help me here, help me there. And that's great. And that's, that's fantastic. We want to speak. We want to let our requests be made known to him, right? As scripture says, we want to pray to him with thanksgiving, with thankfulness. We come to God. We cast our cares upon him. We lay our anxiousness down at his feet. So we're speaking, we're declaring, we're thanking God for all the things that he's done for us. We're talking to him, just conversation with God, speaking. God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. But my question is, when's the last time in your prayer time you just decided to listen for his voice? Because I think so many times in life, 
And our world is so much going on. We're so busy, right? We've got all these different things happening day in and day out. And sometimes I think in our busyness, sometimes we don't just rest. We don't just take the time to just rest in his presence. And I love what it says in Psalms. It says to be still and know I am God. It goes on to say, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. Just rest, being still in his presence. And I'll just practically tell you today is to, to take some time, be intentional with being silent in the presence of God. Just being silent, listening. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't want us church to live a life where we're just, our, our kids, our families, we're just living led by any spirit. I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and how we do that, right? How do we do that? We, we, we're intentional about it. We take the time to rest. We take the time to just, I'm going to be quiet, God. And I don't know if that's uncomfortable for you. Sometimes it's uncomfortable for me. I'm like, am I supposed to be hearing something audible? You know, have you been there before? Like, wait, God, are you going to speak to me in an audible voice? And, and, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, he's our comforter. But he'll, he also brings remembrance of all things. And so the primary way that God communicates to us is he communicates through his word. He communicates through his word. And so when I'm filled with the word, when I fill up on the word, the Holy Spirit brings remembrance of his word to my spirit. It's incredible how it works together. But are we being intentional and in saying, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to just be a bulldozer in life where I just go from decision to decision to decision and I just kind of bulldoze my way through it without taking the time to go, God, what do you think about this? Lead me, guide me. I'm listening. I want to hear your voice. We say this all the time here at Velocity Church, but it bears repeating. To hear the voice of God, you've got to learn the language of God. His language is his word. His language is his word. When I read the word of God, I learn the language. I can differentiate. The Bible, the Bible says that we're to do what? We're to take every thought captive and do what with it? Make it obedient to Christ. Well, how can I make a thought obedient to Christ if I don't know his way? If I don't know his ways, if I haven't spent time learning in his ways? If I take every thought captive and then I make that thought obedient to Christ, it's like, if this thought doesn't line up with this word, I don't want it because it's not from God. If it contradicts his word, it's not from him. Amen? So I don't want to just brush by the fact that Jonah, he's listening for the voice of God and God speaks to Jonah. I think a lot of critics of Jonah, they wouldn't have gone to Nineveh either, but maybe not necessarily for the same reasons as Jonah. They might have not gone to Nineveh because they didn't hear God's voice to begin with. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it goes on to say, what does he do? He rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's uncomfortable what, he's, what God is asking Jonah to do. And I can tell you this right in here now. God will sometimes ask us to do things we don't like in life. How many of you know that? There's some things that God asks us to do that maybe uh, necessarily, it's not super comfortable doesn't feel, ah, doesn't really line up with my feelings, but God, this is what God is calling me to do. Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. Why doesn't he want to go to Nineveh? Well, let me give you just a brief rundown of Nineveh, okay? Nineveh is a barbaric, horrific place 
where they would practice torture methods. Israel is actually one of the enemies of the Assyrian Empire. And uh, Assyria, this is the nation and the Ninevehs in Assyria. And uh, so, so just for some, some ideas of what these people would do. I mean, they actually, archaeologists ended up finding um, these ancient monuments that had inscriptions that actually spelled out some of the things that they would do, which was like skinning people alive. They would, uh, their enemies, they would burn people. They would, uh, they would literally bury people up to their neck. They'd leave their head above ground. And so there'd just be fields of, of buried people with their heads above ground so that when their families would come home or people would move through that area, they would know this territory has been taken over. And uh, just an absolutely barbaric, horrific place. It's in present day Iraq. So Jonah more than likely was a little bit... You want me to do what, God? <laughs> you, you want me to go tell those people? You want me to go tell those people they're wrong? <sighs> I mean, let me, let me just break it down for you. This would be like if God told you, just, just follow me here. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to break out all your 4th of July gear. Okay, break it all out. I want you to get the Jesus flag out. I want you to get the American flag out. I want you to fly over to Iraq. I want you to search and search, find the nearest Taliban camp you can find. And I want you to go running through that Taliban camp, telling them they're wrong. They're on their way to hell. Go do it. <laughs> well, hold on a second. It's a little bit different. Ah, well, that's different. Okay. Jonah was, no doubt, he was thinking to himself, if I do this, I'm probably going to die. Like that, that's the level we're talking about here. That's one reason. The other reason we know that Jonah, and we're going we're gonna to see this later in the message series as we go along. One of the other reasons he was hesitant to go is because maybe he thought God would actually save his enemy. Jonah didn't necessarily want his enemy to be saved. We're going to see that as we continue to read on. And so there's a couple things that we see that are, are holding Jonah back, that preventing himself from actually doing what God has called him to do. But I think that, you know, it's important to think about this concept that God will sometimes ask us to do things we don't like because our culture is driven by comfort. How many of you know that? We're driven by comfort. If it feels right to me, then I'll do it. If God, if what you're asking me to do feels good, then I'll do it. But if there's any level of uncomfortableness, if there's any level of challenge, or, eh, I don't know then. I just might like to sit back and kind of live my way. Because our culture, it, it's like ingrained in, in our society. Comfort, convenience. But here's the thing. If you're waiting for God to tell you to do something that's going to make you feel right, you might be waiting for a long time. If we're just, if like, if I am gauging whether or not God is speaking to me based on my comfort level, that's a bad place to be. Because oftentimes God will call us to take a step into something that is not comfortable. Often God is calling us to do something that's a step out of our comfort zone. And I think there's many people who are like, oh, that's not God. Why? Because well, I'm not cool with that. <laughs> it's like, God didn't ask you if you were cool with it. He just told you to follow his way, right? We don't get to make uh, God's word conform to our thoughts. We make our thoughts conform to his word and his way. 
Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So what happens? Jonah, he rose. He rose to do what? To flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then what happens? Well, he finds a ship going to Tarshish. Now let me tell you something. Tarshish is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. He's like, no, not only gonna, I'm not going to do that, God. I'm going to go as far away from your will as possible. I'm headed to Tarshish. I want you to hear this today. In life, there will always be another ship ready to take you in the wrong direction. There will always be another ship waiting, ready to take you in the wrong direction. And if you're looking for another ship, one will be waiting for you. People will be waiting. Come on, come on, hop on, hop on. I know you're going to go 2,500 miles in the wrong direction, but we'll take you. 2,500 miles in the wrong direction. The Bible also says that he pays for the fare. I mean, and we're going to see all the things that Jonah goes through. And I can't help but just think about this. Sometimes I think running from the presence of God is more exhausting than just simply obeying him. (laughs) You see, it's like, I'm going to go way out here, God. I'm asking you to do this. He's exhausting himself. I think there's some people in here today, you're exhausting yourself running outside of his presence, running away from what God has called you to do. If you would just lean into the thing that God called you to do. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not going to, I'm not saying it's always going to be butterflies and rainbows, but I'd rather be in his presence than take the comfort route and be out of his presence. I'd rather be exactly where God wants me to be, even if it's uncomfortable, than living and feeling in total comfort, but be way outside of the will of God. Amen? So here's the question. How do I prevent myself from getting on the wrong boat? This is, uh, and, and this is what, what I, was, I was reading, um, is applying God's word to my life. It's Bible application, uh, actually applying his word. At some point, church, uh, we're not to just be hearers of the word but we're to be doers of the word. And so at some point in my life, like hearing the word of God, yes, I want to hear, I want to read, I want to read, but then I apply it to my life. So I obey, it's obedience, I do it. I become a doer of the word. I'm not just a hearer only, but I'm actually a doer of the word. And I want to, I want to continue to read on. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse four. And we're going to read from verse four all the way through verse 17. So we're going to cover a bunch here. We might stop here and there. Um, It says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. It's interesting to me that the Lord hurled the wind. People would say, oh God, uh, Satan's attacking, Satan's attacking. God sent this storm. The mariners were afraid. What does it say? And each cried out to his God, lowercase g. They're just shooting up prayers. God, they're praying to their demon gods. They're, not, they're praying to their false gods. God, 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 they're all praying to different gods. <clears throat> they're, they're freaking out. They're scared. They were afraid. They each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. You know this is a bad storm when they're taking all of their gear, all of their equipment, of their livelihood, and they're just tossing it off the ship. I mean, they're like, we're going down. We're going to, this is not going to end well at all. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. You remember Jesus going to the bottom of the ship, but he was fast asleep. And in this instance, I think Jonah's fast asleep out of anxiousness. Jesus was fast asleep in total peace. 
So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Now, notice the lowercase God, because they're just, they're throwing up prayers. Any God, anybody, anybody hear us, anybody hear us. Perhaps the God will, the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. They're questioning Jonah. Amen. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? Listen to what Jonah says. He said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Now, I just want to stop there because I, what I just see here in Scripture is this, is that Jonah has been running from God. He's been running, running. He's been going his own way. He's been going his own way. Not only right here is Jonah telling them who he is, he's reminding himself of who he is. <laughs> he's reminding himself, is, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. This is who I am, who made the sea and the dry land. Everything that's going on, all this that's happening, my God made all of that. The men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, this is what Jonah says, pick me up, hurl me into the sea then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. What does he go on to say? Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. I think it's so incredible. They, they're like, we're not going to throw them off right now. Let's try, let's try. They're still trying. Like, we got to get them back. We don't want to throw them over. They tried. They rode hard. They rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to who? The Lord. They go from crying out to their pagan demon gods, false gods, to now they're crying out to the God, the one and only God, the God of Israel. They cry out to the Lord. Oh Lord, listen to what they say, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And many uh, theologians would say, this is the moment that everybody on the ship was saved. And the Lord appointed, listen to this, listen to this right here. He appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of fish of the fish three days and three nights. We talked about looking for glimpses of Jesus. Jonah has been running, he's been running, he's been running, he's been running, he's been running from God. Going in the wrong direction. But he gets to a point where he says, you know what? I choose to submit to his will. I choose to trust you, God. So throw me into the water. See, it, it, it's, it's a sign of submission. It's a sign of committing to God's will. Jonah's saying, I, I give myself to you, God. I don't want to run my own path and I don't want to do things. I don't want to continue doing things the way I did them. 
You know, I don't want to continue to just make decisions because I think those are the decisions I need to make. I want to make the choices that you want me to make. I want to follow your lead, God. I don't just want to follow my own lead, but I, I want to be led by you. And in this moment that Jonah's saying, throw me in, throw me in, it's a submission moment to, I am throwing myself into the will of God. Whatever it is that you have for me, God, because I know you're going to provide. You're my provider. And what does the word go on to say? This is the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in the belly of a fish. Whenever I read the Bible, I, I just, I like to put myself in it. I like to feel like I'm there, right? Could you just, no, we couldn't. Anybody in here been swallowed by a fish? No, you need to go to counseling, okay? If you've been swallowed by a fish. Uh, I, I just couldn't imagine, right? I mean, it's, it's definitely a dark place. It's not comfortable, but nevertheless, the Lord appoints a fish to swallow up Jonah. And here's what I want to tell you today. Don't mistake God's provision for punishment. I think a lot of times we think, oh, the fish, that's terrific. I couldn't imagine being swallowed by the fish. I'd rather be safe in the fish than drowning out there. It took the fish to get Jonah where he needed to go. See, God knows what's best for us, even when we don't. That's, that's why we live led by him. That's why we lean into to him. That's why we want to live our lives taking the next step, not just because we want to take a step, but because God calls us to take that step. Because he knows our end from our beginning. I don't want to live my life led by my feelings, making my decisions based on the level of my intellect. I want to give it to the one who knows my end from my beginning. And we lean into him and we trust him. Now, I want to, I want to just address something. A lot of people have questions. Hey, listen, the story of the great fish, and I've heard this throughout the years. Did Jonah really, was he really swallowed by a great fish? People ask that question all the time. There's people in here today, you're probably, maybe you're skeptical. Like, did that really happen? Well, here's, how, here's what we want to do. Anytime we have questions about the Word of God or about the Bible, we want to let the Bible teach the Bible. Let the Bible teach the Bible. So here's what I want to turn our attention to today. When we're talking about, is this a historical event? Did Jonah actually, was he actually swallowed by a great fish? Uh, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says this. Look right to Jesus, right? What does Jesus say about it? Then some of the scribes and Pharisees, who are the scribes and Pharisees? Those are the super religious you know, they've got the pinstripe shirts, the whistle, the clipboard. They're ready to take notes for everybody who's ever, you know, they're the Holy Ghost sheriff. You know who I'm talking about? Like, no one's getting one over on me here. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees, they answer him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. That's what Jesus says. He answered, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. Don't be looking for signs. We're not to go look for signs. <clears throat> but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as, listen, Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. So will the Son of Man, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, listen to this church, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is like, I'm the greater Jonah and I'm here. See, everything we read in the word, it all points back to Jesus. Because at the center of this book, at the center of the Bible, it's all about him. And I want to tell you today, what is this church all about? What is Velocity Church all about? We're all about Jesus. We're all about pointing people to Jesus. He is the only way that people are going to come to know God. God uses us as vessels. And we say, God, use us to do what? To point people to Jesus. To be transparent, to not get in the way of your work, God, but to be used by you to do what? To point people to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the greater Jonah. I just want to give you some encouragement today. If you're going through a storm today, you're, you're dealing with, and I know people are. Look, I am, I'm go, we're going through, everybody goes through seasons. We go through diff, different difficulties and challenges along the way in life. If we just give ourselves trust in him, trust in his will. And what if that looks like? It's a surrender. It's a point of surrender. It's where we say, God, I don't want to keep doing this on my own, but I'm posturing myself in such a way, Lord, to say, have your way. Have your way in my life. And there's rest in doing that. There's rest in trusting in him. He's like it says in Psalm, be still and know that I am God. Know that he is God and I'm not. <laughs> I know that he's in control, so I don't have to be. I don't have to try to figure and control everything. I lean into him and I listen for his voice. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes in here this morning. And I want to pray for you today. If you're here and you're going through a, a difficulty, a challenge right now, maybe it's a storm. Maybe you've been running the wrong way. You've been running the wrong direction. Maybe your life has felt like a, a roller coaster of, I choose God and I choose his way, but then I go back to doing things I know I shouldn't be doing. Maybe it's you're just running away from the call that God has put on your life. He's called you to do something and it's challenging and it's intimidating and it seems big and you're, you're like, oh my goodness, it's not comfortable. It's not convenient. I want to pray for you here this morning. So Father God, I just lift up each and every person who's here today, God. I thank you that you're always with us, Lord. I thank you that that you never leave us. No matter how far, God, we run, no matter how far we try to go uh, in the other direction, we can't outrun your presence. You're a good, gracious, merciful Father who loves us. You love us so much, God. It's your grace and your mercy. It's unrelenting grace, Lord. You never run out. Your mercies, I thank you, are new every single day. You're the God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances, God. And I thank you for that. And so right now, God, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're positioning ourselves towards you. And we just say, have your way, Lord. We, we turn our hearts towards you, God. And we just say, we choose to follow you right here and right now. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Guide us, direct us. God, I pray that uh, in the weeks coming up, Lord, uh, for people here today, God, that they're going to hear your voice, God. You'll speak to them, Lord, and that they're going to live led by your spirit, God. That we'd stay in your word, Lord. We would hear your word. We'd learn the, your language, God, through your word. And that, God, we would live our lives in such a way to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that, that your protection, God, you're a God who, who provides, Lord.
like you appointed the fish, God. I thank you that you're going to bring provision and you're going to bring protection, God, for those of us who are in a storm. We can go through a grace storm. We can experience a grace storm, God. A grace storm. Lord, I thank you for everything you're doing here this morning. If there's anybody in here today, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus. We do this each and every week at our church. And the Bible says in Romans, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe that he died and rose again, you'll be saved. Today's the day for salvation. You don't have to put it off. You don't have to say, oh, it's just for another day. Today's the day. Today is the day. You might be in a place where you're like, I need to turn to God. That's the first step I need to take is I need to get right with God and I need to accept him as my Lord and Savior. So if you want that here this morning, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. In church family, uh, if you could pray all with us together, we can pray together as a body, uh, you included, and, and pray this prayer out loud together. Let's say this together, church. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. But I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I thank you you shed blood for me. And then you rose again three days later. Today, I repent of my sins. I turn from my old ways. I choose to follow you. I give you my life. I give you everything. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.